everybody. This is Carla Swanigan, and this is the KSM Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. And this week, I'm so excited because I'm like back at home. I don't know if you were listening last week, but I was still out of town. I've been doing a lot of traveling lately. So I am back from Ecuador, and I'm back from North Carolina. I had a great time at the conference She Speaks in North Carolina. An amazing, amazing time with my friends in Ecuador, but it is really good to be home. I'm home for a couple of weeks, and then I'm out to California. I'm going to Bethel for a ministry conference out there, and I'm super excited about that. But this week, I thought it would be really good to let you guys tune into a message I did. Um, I think it was just last month, actually, just a few weeks ago, right before I left for Ecuador for that missions trip. I did a message titled, Don't Be Fooled by Appearances, Seeing God in the Midst of Your Circumstances, and Being an Overcomer. So we're going to tune in kind of in the middle of my message, but um, I just felt like this was the part to share this week. So um, you guys tune in and get everything out of that that God has for you, and then come back at the end because I want to pray over you at the end. So we're going to jump into the message right now, and then I'll be back at the end to pray with you before you go, okay? Proverbs 12, 21. No disaster overcomes the righteous. You are an overcomer. Here are three ways that the Lord um, has really been highlighting to me lately to be an overcomer instead of letting my situation make me think that I'm a victim. One thing he's got me doing is recounting out loud the history of his faithfulness and goodness in the past. So sit down, get out your journal if you need to, call a girlfriend that's been with you for a long time or a guy friend. Be like, hey, help me remember all the stuff that I've been through and survived. Help me remember all the stuff I was afraid of that never happened. Help me remember all the stuff that I was sick in my body and I'm not anymore. Those are things that God in his faithfulness has healed you of, delivered you of, brought you through, encouraged you, gave you fresh hope fresh perseverance, and fresh endurance. If he brought you through those things, he will bring you through this too. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. And you see this in the Old Testament a lot. They'd remind themselves of past rescues and deliverances that God brought them through. That's how they would stir up their faith. When they were getting ready to go into a situation, they would not only remind themselves, but they'd start preaching to God. They'd be like, hey, you did this for me, and you did that. And you delivered them from Egypt. And you parted the Red Sea. And sometimes that's what we have to do, you guys. We have to, like Bill Johnson says, strengthen yourself in the Lord. I told this to a doctor the other day that I was going to for my um, body. And my neck's not hurting now, by the way. Um, Thank you, Lord. The doctor, I went in, and chiropractor, and and he's getting ready to adjust me. And he's like... um, are you having headaches? And I'm like, nope. And he's named all the stuff, and I'm like, nope, nope, nope. And he said, are you having tingling in your hands and feet? And I said, yeah, a little bit. And he's like, that's from the pinched nerves, you know, and that's going to get better. He goes, but, you know, there's a lot, just expect a lot more stuff's going to happen, you know, because with car wrecks, sometimes it takes a couple of weeks for your body to loosen up and start seeing all the responses to what's going on. He's like, so you'll, you're going to have more things showing up. And I was like, oh, no. No, 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 no. And he doesn't know me, this guy. And I'm like, 
there are no more things showing up. This is it. And he goes, well, don't blame me. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not blaming you. I'm the boss of my body, and I'm talking to my body right now. There will be no more things showing up in Jesus' name. And he was like, okay, crazy lady. So um, sometimes we just have to encourage ourselves in the Lord in the middle of our crisis, in the middle of our situation, in the middle of our fear, in the middle of our long, dark night. The second thing he showed me, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James chapter 4, verse 7. That's a good one. One way we resist the devil is to not agree with every negative thought that pops into our head. I don't know um, if you know who Joyce Meyer is, but she wrote Battlefield of the Mind. Um, If you've got a lot of negativity going on in your head, you need to get that book. It will change your life, deliver you, and set you free from all of that. It is amazing, but she's absolutely right. Just because the thought comes into your head doesn't mean it's true, real, or that you have to agree with it. So be careful of that. Um, It says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Um, We resist by not agreeing. But we also need to resist the temptation to focus on what's not happening instead of what is happening. Okay, sometimes when we're in the middle of it, we're like, "Well, well, God's not healing me. You know, I've had this back trouble. Me personally, I've had this for years. Um, They have been wanting to put screws and pins in my neck and my back since I was 30 years old. So 14 years and probably longer because it took me a real long time to go see a surgeon to hear that bad news. And so I've been waiting for my healing for a real long time. But you know what? God is good. And he's done a lot. He's brought me a long way. My back used to go out once every couple of weeks. And when I say go out, like I could not move, I couldn't get out of the bed or off the floor or wherever I landed. Um, that hardly ever happens anymore. So I just want to say sometimes when we're waiting on something, whether it's your healing or your financial breakthrough or um, a relationship to be restored or anything that you're believing God for, your husband, maybe you're waiting to get married, maybe you want kids. And you've been waiting a really long time. Don't focus on what's not happening. Resist that temptation. The enemy wants to come into your head and accuse, accuse, accuse. Not just accuse you. He ultimately wants to accuse the Lord. He is constantly accusing God. (coughs) He wants you to believe that God is not good. That your situation is never going to change. That your breakthrough is not coming. And that's just not true. God is good. That's who he is. So focus on the good things that are happening. And you guys, if that means getting up and thanking God because you woke up, that's a good thing. Start there. Start wherever you have to because I'm telling you, the enemy will sit there and point out every bad thing that's going on. And if you agree with him, your whole day is going that direction. Negative, negative, negative. You don't want that. So focus on what is happening and what God is doing. And not what's not happening. Choose joy. I think that's a big one. Um, I think it's really hard to choose joy, like we were talking about, in the midst of your circumstances sometimes. It's, it's like when you choose to forgive somebody. It's, it's a choice you have to make. And sometimes we have to do that with joy as well. But... The one way I do that is, listen, I get the praise music going in the house really loud. And I dance around. I do whatever I have to do to change my attitude. And I forcefully 
We take it by force sometimes. I choose joy. You kick the enemy in the teeth every time you choose joy instead of the role of the victim. I'm a visual learner, so whenever God shows me something, I, I see it. And, you know, so when I was writing that, I literally, you know, like if I was a kickboxer and he just kicked, I could see myself just kicking him in the teeth. And so now forever, when I think, when I choose joy, I'll be thinking, yep, just knock some more teeth out. <laughs> the other thing the Lord said to me was, get away from all the negative people the naysayers. I like to call those people the Debbie Downers. We all have some Debbie Downers in our life. We've all been the Debbie Downer, probably at some point in our life, in some situation. Um, These people, God bless them, always say they're just keeping it real or pointing out the facts. Um, But what they're doing is just being real negative. Um, Bishop T.D. Jakes recently, in in a blog that he wrote online, Um, described a naysayer, and he said, these people are natural pessimists. They believe that nothing's ever good enough, nothing's right enough, nothing's promising, nothing's positive. We all have people in our lives like this that we interact with. Nobody look around. So how do you handle these people, especially when they're always pointing out the facts of your situation that are negative? Well, I've been studying in Acts and Mark, a little bit about that lately, and I feel like I found something really interesting. So let's turn to Acts chapter 9. I'm going to drink a little sip of water. Acts chapter 9, we're going to go all the way to 36, starting in 36. Okay. Peter raises the dead. Now there was a follower of Jesus who lived in Joppa. Her Aramaic name, Tabitha, means gazelle. She lived her life doing things for others and serving the poor. But when she became very ill, oh, but then she became very ill and died. After the disciples prepared her body for burial, they laid her in an upstairs room. When the believers heard that Peter was nearby in Lydia, they sent two men with an urgent message for him to come without delay. So Peter went with them back to Joppa, and upon arriving, they led him to the upper room. There were many widows standing next to Peter weeping. One after another showed him the tunics and other garments that Tabitha had made to bless others. Peter made them all leave the room. Then he knelt down and prayed, turning to the dead body. He said, Gazelle, rise up. Mm -hmm. At once she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers and all the widows to come and see that she was alive. The news spread all over the city of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Okay, so do you see what Peter did here? If you look back, I just think this is so interesting. So she's dead, and all the widows are mourning and grieving, and back then in their culture, like they would have had a whole bunch of people um, there at the house grieving and weeping very loudly and lamenting and tearing their robes and all that stuff. Um, But Peter comes in, and he doesn't say anything. He just tells everybody else to leave the room. And I thought that was so interesting um, for lots of reasons. But sometimes you have to go in the room by yourself. Sometimes you have to shut the door to what's going on around you. People pointing out the obvious, the people that are there to grieve over your situation. 
Sometimes you have to shut the door to that. Sometimes you have to go into the room alone. People will tell you that there's no reason to hope anymore, that it's dead, there's no reason to believe. It's obvious that it's dead. I mean, she was clearly dead. These people are just trying to help you face reality. But I'm here tonight to remind you that we don't live in just any reality. We live in a kingdom reality. And that means that you always have hope in Jesus. You may have some obvious facts about your situation that you don't that don't look too hopeful or full of promise anymore, but the truth of your situation is Jesus is your healer, your deliverer, your provider. He is your answer to every single problem or crisis that you have ever had and will ever face. All right, we're going to look at one more scripture. Turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Verse 21. After Jesus returned from across the lake, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. Just then a man saw that it was Jesus, so he pushed through the crowd and threw himself down at his feet. His name was Jairus, a Jewish official who was in charge of the synagogue. He pleaded with Jesus, saying over and over, Please come with me. My little, do- little daughter is at the point of death, and she's only 12 years old. Come and lay your hands on her and heal her, and she will live. Jesus went with him, and the huge crowd followed, pressing in on him from all sides. And then it goes on to talk about... Um, the woman with the issue of blood and how she reached out and touched his shawl. But we're going to skip ahead right past that to 35. Verse 35. So Jesus heals this lady, sets her free, delivers her, blesses her as a daughter. And then, and before he had finished speaking, people arrived from Jairus's house and pushed through the crowd to give Jairus the news. There's no need to trouble the master any longer. Your daughter has died. But Jesus refused to listen to what they were told and said to the Jewish official, Don't yield to fear. All you need to do is keep on believing. So they left for his home, but Jesus didn't allow anyone to go with them except Peter and the two brothers, Jacob and John. So I want to ask you guys, what situation is Jesus asking you not to agree with the naysayers? What is he saying? Don't listen to them. Don't be afraid. All you have to do is keep believing me. I know it's been 10 years. I know it looks real bad. I know you've been praying for this for a long time. But keep on believing. Keep on believing. Don't listen to them. Look how Jesus handled the Debbie Downers in this text. We'll pick back up in verse... 37, 38. When they arrived at the home of the synagogue ruler, they encountered noisy uproar among the people, for they were all weeping and wailing. Upon entering the home, Jesus said to them, Why all this grief and weeping? Don't you know the girl's not dead but merely asleep? Mm -hmm. Then everyone began to ridicule and make fun of them. But he threw them all outside. 
Then he took the child's father and mother and his three disciples and went into the room where the girl was lying. He tenderly clasped the child's hand in his and said to her in Aramaic, Talitha kum, which means little girl, wake up from the sleep of death. Instantly, the 12-year-old girl sat up, stood to her feet, and started walking around the room. Everyone was overcome with astonishment in seeing this miracle. Sometimes you have to go into the room alone and shut the door behind you, shut out all the naysayers, shut out all the realists, and sometimes that person you're shutting out is you. And you just got to be alone in that room with Jesus and say, what are you saying? What do you say about my situation? I know the facts. I know this thing looks dead. But what do you say? What do you say about it, Jesus? What are you allowing the naysayers to speak death to in your life? Let Jesus speak life. You have to speak words of life to your situation, to your problem, to your storm coming against you and your family. You have to speak truth to it. You have to say what Jesus says, not just what the facts say. When Jesus speaks life to something, it lives again. It lives again. Jesus is living on the inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Tap into that life, that force, that Jesus juice inside of you. And speak it out. Speak it out in your situation. You are an overcomer. You are not a victim. It tells us in Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. When we overcome, we now have the experience and the authority to help empower others to overcome something similar that they're going through. I mean, how encouraging is it? I know all of us have probably been in this situation when you've gone through something, like Paula would say, holy hell, it's just been like, oh, but you make it out on the other side and you're far enough past it that you see what God was showing you too as you went through it. You see that he never left you. You're even able to see the ways that he held your hand and brought you through. How encouraging is it when you can go to another person that's going through that same thing and they're right in the middle of it, in the thick of it, and you remember, you remember that feeling and you're able to speak life to them and say, Honey, I know it feels like you're all alone, but you're not. I know it feels like you're never going to get better, but you are. And here's what I know. Here's what happened to me. Here's what God did for me. Here's how he brought me through. I know how you're feeling, but here's what God did. And how encouraging is it to be that person? that somebody is speaking life to you when you think there is no hope for your situation. It gives you faith and confidence that if God will bring them through it, he'll do the same for you. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4 tells us that we are called to come alongside others and bring the same comfort that God poured out on us. So be an overcomer, but don't stop there. Help somebody else be an overcomer too. So let's recap in closing. Even when you can't see him, God's always working in the midst of your situation. He hears your prayers, he sees your pain and suffering, and he will never leave you or forsake you. Don't give up. Keep going forward. Remember, winning is going forward when you really feel like turning back. Don't be a negative, 
Nellie or a Debbie Downer. And don't allow the naysayers in your life to speak death over the situation that Jesus actually wants to speak life over. Be an overcomer, not a victim, and help someone else be that too. Okay, you guys, I am back with you. I hope that that really ministered to you and you got something out of that. And I would love to just pray for you now. So Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you for everyone listening, Lord. I pray that that you would just speak the words of that message that you put on my heart, that you would just imprint that on their heart and that they would be blessed by it. God, I pray that they would remember, Lord, to encourage themselves in you, Lord, in the midst of their circumstance and that they would resist the temptation to look at what you're not doing. And instead they would really focus on what you are doing. And God, I pray that you would give them the grace and the strength and the discernment when they need to close the doors on the naysayers in their life, Lord, and speak life to their situation. Father, and sometimes it's us that we need to silence, Lord. It's our own words out of our own mouth. So right now in Jesus' name, Lord, I just pray that you would put a guard over their mouths, Father, so that they would not um, speak death over their circumstances and they would not speak negative words, but they would speak whatever you're saying, Jesus, that they would speak life because we know Jesus, when you want to speak life to something, when you're telling something to live, it lives again. So I pray father that you would do all that you want to do in their circumstances, God, that you would move on their behalf and the things that they're looking at that look dead and that look like a bunch of dry bones, Lord. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that those things would live again, Lord. Those things that you're calling to live again in Jesus' name. I stand in agreement with all my friends listening, Lord, that those things right now in the name of Jesus would live again. Father, I pray that they would totally remember to get with you and get alone with you and listen to what you're saying. And if that's what they would focus on, I thank you, God, that they are overcomers and not victims. And Father, I pray that they would walk in the full authority of your kingdom and all that you died to give them. I pray all these things in the mighty and holy name of Jesus. Amen. All right, you guys, God bless you. Hope you're having an amazing week. And I will talk to you soon, and I will be praying for you, and I look forward to our next time together. So I'll talk to you soon.